my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully, you guys are having a terrific week. A uh, great show for you today. I'm joined by my brother, Clint Russell, host of Liberty Lockdown. Uh, always a great time talking to Clint, and uh, we had a lot to discuss. Uh, we we talked about the, uh, the debate last night between John Fetterman and Dr. Oz, and... I suppose just the sad state of American democracy more generally. Uh, we talked about congressional progressives withdrawing a letter to the Biden regime encouraging diplomacy in Ukraine uh, and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, we, we covered quite a bit. I think you guys will enjoy it. Before I get to Clint, guys, if you haven't already, please follow us on Twitter at No Gimmicks Pod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Make sure to subscribe. If you're an Apple user, please take a couple seconds to leave us a five-star rating and any good review. I'd really appreciate that. And if you like the show and want to get involved, you can support us monthly over on Patreon. Patreon.com slash the No Gimmicks Podcast. All right, without further ado, the great Clint Russell. All right, guys, we're here with my brother, Clint Russell, host of Liberty Lockdown. Clint, how you been, man? Oh, dude, I am doing great. The world is, uh, how can I put this, losing its effing mind. Yeah, man. But it's fun. Like, I'm, like, legit doing great. Like, I have my first kid on the way. Like, as soon as I'm done with this show, I'm hanging my deer stands for, you know, my tree stands for deer season, getting ready to shoot some bucks. And, you know, I'm, like, I'm just having, like, a great time. And, yeah, the world is just collapsing around me. Just at <laughs> every stage, man. It's, it's I, crazy. I love, I love the people that are, like, aware of how messed up things are, and yet they're still reproducing. Like, that's, that's a level <laughs> of, of courage that I don't really have. So... <laughs> But we need more people with like long-term reasons to prevail. So <laughs> right. you you will now have that, and that's great. Right. So, dude, I uh, this morning I I was catching up on last night's debate between Doctor Oz and John Fetterman, and I mean I'm sure you're the same way. I'm not surprised by just about anything these days. Um, but part of me still can't believe what I just watched, man. Like it's just. We'll go through everything, but it's the absolute state of American politics, or at least the absolute state of the Democratic Party. I mean, they, they really thought, and I don't know why they keep thinking they can get away with this stuff, but like, they really thought they could pull another fast one on the American people with, like, a, a brain-dead man. And, I mean, it did work with Joe Biden. Got to give him credit there. But this is so much worse, man. It's so much worse. The man can't speak. He can't understand language, even with closed captioning. Like, he's reading the questions that he's being asked, and he still can't really comprehend what's going on. I have to imagine he's not fit for like 99% of just job, average jobs. Like there's no way he could like fix my <laughs> no. toilet or mow my lawn safely <laughs> no. or anything. Like there's no way. And millions of people, millions of Democrats are still going to go out and vote for this guy. It's like, yeah, it, it's, it's alarming. It's it jarring. Is, it's deeply disturbing, but I'm going to be honest with you. When uh, a guy who isn't doing much better mentally, physically or otherwise, uh, cognitively, <laughs> got more votes than any presidential candidate in history. I didn't exactly feel real optimistic about the track we were on. So to see a guy who's like, what, 10% worse off than Joe Biden, um, you know, 
really uh, he he led in the polls until like three days ago <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah it is insane yeah. uh, but I, you know as as an end cap i i absolutely am thrilled that people get to see <laughs> you know how how horrific are political classes you know i i said last night like this is a perfect encapsulation of american politics it's a guy who's who's ill-equipped to be a Walmart greeter yeah. and he wants to, you know, wield the most power of uh, what the top 100 something people on the planet. It's like it's incredible. Yeah, man. Yeah. And uh I mean we talk all the time about how pathetic and unimpressive the ruling class is in America right now. How how unimpressive the elites are. Um and this is just the logic this has to be the logical conclusion of that. I mean, like, I guess we should have seen this coming. Like, this is the rational next step past <clears throat> Jerome Powell and Joe Biden and, and all these guys. Millions of people voting to give a brain-dead stroke victim the power to destroy economies. <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? Yeah, well, like, I mean— It's to, crazy. For, for me, I feel like the way I actually recoil when I hear someone espouse— either neoconservatism or socialism or, you know, any of the things that I oppose, I get the same vibe. You know, when I watch right. like AOC talk, I don't, I don't view her as being cognitively functioning at a significantly higher level than John Fetterman. So for me, this is preferable because unfortunately for the vast majority of American voters, they, they don't actually process that the same way. So they have to see someone who's actually struggling to speak to understand how stupid they are. Like right. you and I can probably right. sense it long before their brains actually stopped working. <laughs> right. But but uh, I, this is great, man. This is great. This is like I, I you know, and I, it comes off as, as if I'm like super blackpilled, but I actually have optimism. It's just that I really strongly believe that people's faith in democracy is misguided and it's great when like this these are the options they get like oh dr oz who's you know a snake oil salesman moron himself in my humble opinion and and not a conservative either right right uh, up against a guy who's like i mean really on death's door <laughs> it's, yeah. it's awesome <laughs> yeah and it's like i'm so torn man because there there are positives there like you said like a lot of people don't realize that this is how guys like you and i view the vast majority of, of the elites, especially <laughs> exactly. in the realm of politics, in the business world as well, in, in a lot of cases. But, yeah. you know, and then still the sad part on the flip side is that, you know, I, I assume at this point, I mean, anything can happen, but I assume at this point, Oz will win the Senate seat. I, I can't imagine he, he can't get to 50 percent, you know, after that bloodbath last night. But, I mean, still, like 47, 48 percent of voters in Pennsylvania are going to vote for this guy. And it's like, so that's the, that's the part that really bums me out is that there are so many people, our fellow countrymen that are so brainwashed by corporate media, by their, they're blinded by their own political ideology. They're so riddled with Stockholm syndrome, right? That they will still go out and vote for this guy. Like they will, they're quite literally willing to resist freedom <laughs> to their dying yeah. breath, <laughs> you know, you know what I mean. People are so resistant to liberty that that they don't no, care. So it's like that's a great. It's yeah. like I'm white pilled and black pilled at the same time. I suppose. No, that's a great way to put it. I mean, you're right. It it certainly. It is sad <laughs> when, when you realize <laughs> that like 
millions of people will still go out and vote for this guy. But as I just said earlier, it's like, yeah, well, millions of 80 million plus people allegedly went out and they voted for Biden. So I, you know, it's just not at all surprising to me, I guess. So I think that's why I'm not taking it so hard. Right. I'm just I'm just like, okay, further confirmation that the American um, you know, bifurcation where we just are either we'll vote for a former reality TV star that has a R in front of his name or we'll vote for people that have uh, you know, obvious brain impairment. And and that's <laughs> these are these are the awesome options that we're presented with. And then unfortunately the LP doesn't often uh, you know, present a really compelling uh, alternative, and that—that's yeah. something that I hope to remedy. And you know, it's—it's it's wild. It's—it's yeah. it's just wild. Yeah, yeah, man. And honestly, what I kept thinking watching that debate was one of the reasons why I'm an anarchist is because of what power does to people, what the pursuit of power does to people. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, man, John Fetterman's wife like really does make mm-hmm. me sick. Like that, that mentality really does make me sick. Like it is disgusting. Like I can't imagine a world in which I wanted power so badly that I'd force my wife to publicly humiliate herself every day. Like it's so, like she's an absolute villain. (laughs) Like she's a, she's a comic book villain. Like she wants power and wealth and fame so badly that she's making an absolute mockery of her husband. And like, yeah, of course, like the donors and the party and, and all these people are too. Um, they're to blame as well, but w- like we know people like that are deranged sociopaths already, right? We expect that from from like the DNC and these you know these donor the Democrat donors. But like this is like a woman who allegedly loves her husband. Like <laughs> I, I, I can't I can't and, and also they can rule over their neighbors, right? Like I can't imagine wanting to rule over my neighbors so badly that I would just publicly humiliate my family. And that's what power does. Like that is what politics does to people. That's what power—I mean, dude, you and I don't even know each other that well, but, like, if I heard that, like, you hosting your show and and, and doing all your speeches and, and the LP stuff was, like, ruining your life and ruining <laughs> your family and you right. were just, like, a mess, I would send you a message and be like, dude, like, you don't need this, man. Like, yeah, bro, yeah, you can yeah. do something else. you know. And I hopefully I'd get that phone call from you <laughs> if the right. situation was reversed, you know. So it's like I just can't. Like that's that is truly like I know it sounds kind of ridiculous, but that's one of the reasons why I'm an anarchist because I see how it just corrupts people, man. Like yeah, the state no, I... just corrupts, like the just they're disgusting. It's it's gross. It's so gross. I could not stop thinking back to his wife and what she must be thinking during that debate. Well, I'd, I I'm gonna be make you even more depressed i don't think (laughs) i i don't think she watched that and really felt bad i think that you know it's it's pretty clear to me that she went all in a long time ago i mean he's from what i read he had the stroke in february um give or take so like we're eight months into this process she knows how broken he is so obviously she has committed to this path and you know that's this, this is, <laughs> I mean, honestly, like if my significant other was dead set on running and they had a stroke and they were just like, yeah, well, I may die, you know, within the next year. But like we I would love to just see this to completion. I would mean, hey, I also support you. Like, no, it's funny because like everyone's just assuming the wife is scum of the earth. And I obviously tend to agree. She probably is. But at the same time, like. John Fetterman wasn't exactly like a good person before the stroke, right. you know, like he's, right. he's, a, <laughs> he's yeah. like a trust, trust fund kid who, yeah. 
who has basically communist ideology. Right. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, I, I just don't. I don't have any sympathy for anybody. Like I saw all these all these conservatives that were uh, were tweeting out, you know, like, oh man, I feel bad for Fetterman, and it's like, no, <laughs> I do not feel bad for him. Like if if you're a communist who wants to rule over me, I want you to be a sh- like embarrassed publicly, yeah. terribly. So yeah. this is awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean it, it's tough, man, when your entire platform is like doing awful things to people against their will. Right, <laughs> like for forcing people to do things they don't want to do at gunpoint. You yeah, know what I mean it is. It's tough, man. And but it's like, very hard for me to have sympathy for someone like that. You're right, and, and honestly, you're right about Fetterman himself too. I mean, if you're a statist, your highest ideal, like your your entire moral compass, is based on acquiring the ability to wield power over your neighbors. You know, of course, the ends yeah. justify the means. You know, even death itself, you know, justifies the means. Anything, like right. quite literally, anything is permissible in your quest to force your political opponents to do crap they don't want to do at gunpoint. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, that, that's why so many people, particularly on the, the left, um, you know, cheer on the abuse of Rand Paul by his neighbor. It's like, they, these are these people have violent instincts, like, deep down. Like, they want to crush the opposition. And I think, you know, as tragic as it is, I think that's why libertarianism has not succeeded is because we don't have that killer drive. You know, it, it's it's a it's a weird conundrum where like you just want to be left alone and that ensures the fact that you will not be. You know, yeah. it's a it's a fascinating I don't know, quandary. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And we got to talk about the uh the, this letter that was withdrawn by progressives uh to Joe Biden regarding Ukraine. And and at this point I mean, the Democratic Party, man, um, I mean, they, they really are a monolithic kind of communist institution. I mean, no dissent will be tolerated yep. um, within their ranks. I mean, you guys at the LP, you have a wide variety of different viewpoints, even in the Repu- I mean, for all the Republicans flaws. I mean, you can get anywhere from Ron Paul to Mitt Romney. I mean, that's a right. A, that's a quote unquote big tent if I've ever seen one. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, so for anybody that missed it, 30, um, <clears throat> 30 progressive congressman issued a letter calling on the white house to pursue peace in ukraine um you know give putin an off-ramp stuff like that and less than 24 hours man less than one day they retracted the letter blamed it on a staffer said it was sent out (laughs) in error um and said they love war now so i mean it's it's amazing and honestly it's probably not even that Pelosi and Schumer and those guys, you know, threaten to cut them off financially or, or whatever. It's probably just like a lot of Republicans are anti-war now, so the Democrats have to double down as like the pro-war party. And I mean, either yeah. way, like it, it is wild to see. I mean, it makes sense because these people are collectivists, but it is wild to see how much control the DNC has over their politicians. I mean, it's yeah. like there's like, these people as human beings. Well, maybe now they are a monolith. Maybe they are. They're they have such a collectivist mindset where they kind of give up their their past selves and, and become a, a like a stock NPC for the regime. But like if you look at like an AOC versus, a, you know, whoever, Kamala Harris or whatever, like these people have nothing in common. Like but right. Joe Biden and, you know, whatever, Rashida Tlaib have nothing. And like their worldviews no. have nothing in common. But if you slap that D next to your name, you just fall in line, man. Like it's yeah. fascinating well, to watch. You We want to make it. Let's take it to the darkest level. You are willing to abandon your fundamental beliefs, because I do believe some of them are actually anti-war. Sure. You're willing to, to abandon your fundamental, deepest, most important belief when 
the consequence of doing so is the potential for the death of everyone on Earth. <laughs> I mean, these people are awful. And, and yeah, that's, I mean, this is why I, I come across as more right-leaning than I probably am, is because the Democrat Party in particular is just reprehensible. I mean, yes. they are worthless. The, the only things that I valued in them was their defense of, say, free speech and right. some some you know performative anti-war stuff. Um, and now they're like the harshest censorship. They're pro-fascism. They support big pharma. <laughs> I mean, and and they also are encouraging the uh, incoming potential of World War Three. So I despise these people yeah. uh, all across the board. And I, it's fascinating to me because there has been this divide within the LP where there are certain people that you know consider themselves like quote unquote left leaning libertarians and they kind of come across as the inverse of me where they defend the democrats more than they do like they, or they go after the the republicans more and i just find that completely mystifying cuz it's like yeah the republicans are terrible but like the democrats are an existential threat like these people are yeah. valueless <laughs> like yeah. they are an absolute detriment to our chance of surviving as a species so um, yeah, I wasn't exactly surprised, but I, even in my black pilledness, I was still disappointed to see them retract that letter a day later. Just a side note. I don't even get hate from left libertarians anymore. I used to get a ton. I think they right. don't even think they listen to my show anymore. Yeah. Like, I think yeah, there's just like completely gone. It's like, I don't even see it. They don't, they don't even follow me on Twitter. It's like, they, I don't even get hate messages from those people anymore. I think they're just... They're just Democrats. <laughs> yeah. You know, like they just kind of like plugged back into like the corporate media structure and everything. Like it's it's really strange. Well, but the, but... the craziest thing about them withdrawing this letter is that they did it for no reason. I mean, like, let's say the party cut them off financially. They don't need the DNC's money. They're they're some of the best fundraisers in the party, some of the best fundraising politicians in the country, and they're all in like D plus forty districts. I mean, well, it's like me, AOC, and like these you, people don't even need Pelosi's money. Like it's, it's like they sold their souls for nothing, just for like uh, to avoid a minor inconvenience. It's no, like, no, 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 no. I just, I just, I disagree, man. I, I honestly believe that the majority of like the Democrat voters are so deeply indoctrinated by the corporate media that they consume yeah. that they, like, their base has been convinced that this is a war for, you know, good versus evil and democracy and all the, you know, whatever neoliberal talking point appeals to them these days. Cause it's, it's astonishing. Like you talk to basically anyone other than like a based lefty. And by based, I just mean like they, they actually consume some alternative media. Like right. they're not just strictly a Rachel Maddow viewer. Right, right. <laughs> like, and they're the only ones on the left that are, actually anti-war anymore I, I genuinely believe the vast majority of democrat voters are not at all anti-war anymore so i it doesn't surprise me and i and i'm not even a hundred percent certain that it that it required any sort of threats from the dnc or pressure from pelosi or anything like that i think they could have just gotten bombarded with you know hate from their constituents and uh, like if that's the case if i'm right in my assessment then we are in terrible terrible danger <laughs> you yeah. know 
So I hope I'm wrong. I hope it was just like the military industrial complex calls them up and they get Pelosi on the line and they say, tell them that they're <laughs> done if you don't back off. But I don't know if that's the case. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you're probably right. And that is terrifying. I mean, I, I wish it was uh, simply the military industrial complex. That way we're just dealing with 30 or so evil politicians, not 85 million voters <laughs> who, yes, exactly, who quite dude. literally believe whatever their television tells them, you know, that well, is a... yeah, but, but I mean, you have to consider like the, the average Democrat voter now supports fascism overtly. They don't say it. They, in fact, they pretend to be against fascism, which is hysterical. But you know, when, when you see them endorsing the physical, uh, you know, I don't know, whatever, whatever it's called. It's just the physical incursion of a, a medical product from the biggest businesses on earth that also have liability protection, all of which is granted by the government. Not just the liability protection, but also the the mandated nature by which you must consume it. And they're like, if you oppose this, you're a fascist. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> these people, these people are not exactly thinking anymore. So if you uh, if you yeah. oppose the merger of state and corporate power. You're a fascist. You're a fascist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it is amazing. And I, it's so funny, man. Um, I, I looked up, as soon as this whole thing about the, the letter retraction came out, I, I started looking up some right-wing podcasts and, and radio shows and stuff just to see what the consensus, like, mainstream, I don't mean, like, right-wing libertarian. I just mean the main, like, checked out Glenn Beck, Ben Shapiro, those guys. They're all calling for diplomacy. Yeah. I mean, like, guys that have been wrong. I mean, like Ben Shapiro, for instance, has been on the wrong side of Iraq, Afghanistan, Everywhere. Syria, like yeah. it, just about everything. And he's like, guys, what are we doing? Why are we trying to risk nuclear war? I, you know, Biden should be pushing for giving Putin an off ramp. We need to you know, encourage negotiations. And it's like, my goodness. I mean, if a mainstream and like he's no libertarian by any stretch of the imagination, if like mainstream Republicans who have historically been pro-war are better on Ukraine than the quote-unquote anti-war Democrats. It's like, I, I, there's just nothing salvageable about the Democratic Party. You know what I mean? It's Correct. like, it's these people, and, and that's honestly why I haven't joined you guys in the LP yet. Maybe I won't once, once we destroy the Democrats, then <laughs> sure, sure. Like, I'm still like this delusional Don Quixote figure who thinks I can like change the Republican Party from the inside. I'm just punching windmills and stuff over here. But like, yeah, you know, I appreciate I it. I just view these people as such an existential threat that needs to be eliminated. I mean, if we can just destroy these people to the point where they're polling in single digits in every single election, then I'll say, okay, I'll join you guys and then we'll go after the GOP next. But right, right. <laughs> no, no, I, that's totally a reasonable position to hold. Honestly, um, no, I, I mean, I this is actually. Part of my reason for optimism is that I I have always felt as if the Republicans, um, at a, at a more core level, had more similarities with libertarians. Like even when they were pro-war, they still kind of had like the the gun rights. They still also espoused free speech. They still you know they they at least on the campaign trail, right. they kind of re represented themselves to be libertarians, and they got their. But most importantly, they got their base to vote for them, pretending to be libertarian. Right. Um, right. So that that has always made me feel as if there's some sort of kinship between not necessarily the RNC, but the Republican voter right. and the and the the real libertarians out there. So, um, you know, I'm very optimistic about the fact that it's not just it's not just Shapiro. I mean, it's Glenn Beck, as you said, but it's also Tucker Carlson, the most yeah. 
the the most watched, uh, you know, I think I think news show period yeah. on TV. So yeah. that's huge, and and I'm very grateful for it. Like, there, I don't think people, you know, it, people probably don't even remember, but every war in my lifetime, it was basically like both sides of the aisle set aside any sort of anti-war sentiment yeah. whenever we're in the lead up to a war. Like that's how it's always been my entire life. So oh, the yeah. fact that we we even have, you know, the the biggest news guy on TV saying, hey, what the fuck are we thinking? Yeah. You know, that's that's awesome. So I'm hopeful, man. I mean, that that's <laughs> I know we just talked about a lot of dark stuff, so it, it doesn't <laughs> sound like I'm I'm hopeful, but um, you know, you got to hold on to hope when it comes to World War Three, like in avoiding it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, man, I mean, if anybody's too young to remember, like during the during the aughts, I mean, it, like if you went to CNN and and Fox News, like it would be like Rachel Maddow and, and Bill O'Reilly. They talk about how how bad the opposing party is. And then they talk about war. And it was just like, let's go kill these brown people. <laughs> like It was just like a yeah, full court press, like pro-war, you know, like there wasn't anything on cable news uh, and, that was and, anything and, and, close to anti-war. And in, in an orgasmic fashion. I mean, oh, it, yeah. if you remember, I think it was Brian Williams who's like, the, the the majesty of the bombs as they you know cross through the night. You know, you're like, what oh, the gosh. fuck? <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Some dark I, stuff. I think man. I think he was describing um, like shock and awe during Iraq. You know, like when when we were, by the way, committing war crimes. We were Bombing blowing civilian up civilian areas. Yeah, yeah, we were blowing up their their entire infrastructure within a 24 hour bombardment. I mean, exactly what Putin refused to do until a week ago, and now instant you know knee jerk reaction. He's a terrorist, and he's you know blah blah blah, and it's like. Man, it's just so it's so transparent. Like if you're disconnected from the the corporate narratives and you're actually like a independently thinking person, it just becomes so stark to to watch all this stuff and just realize how little principle our opposition holds. You know, oh, like yeah. well, or or at least I guess the principle that they really only hold is power and and you know wealth accumulation and like there's no I don't know higher level principles by which they function. And it's just, I just despise them. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> I mean, if you, if you hold that, if you hold a statist worldview, then truly the ends justify the means. Mm -hmm. I mean, they don't mm -hmm. like, it is a very, it comes from a, a secular worldview and it's in a, a power obsessive worldview that yeah, I mean, if I, I, it does check out. That is consistent. They're not being hypocrites. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? They're, yeah. they're on, they only value power. So they're, they're living by their highest principle. It just, just their, it's just that their highest principle I find to be reprehensible. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, it might maybe pure unadulterated evil, but at least it's consistent. Yes. Uh, yeah. But you know, it is looking like uh, in uh wow, is, it, is the are the midterms next week? No, no, a week from Tuesday. Yeah, a week from Tuesday, so almost two weeks. But yeah, week, week um, and a half. It is looking like a red wave. I think the the Republicans will pick up the uh, both houses of Congress and a bunch of governorships and stuff. And um, now I know you're not a Republican, but like I, I mean, obviously, I, I, I'm happy to see Republicans retake Congress. Hopefully, they can stop a little bit of the spending. Hopefully, they can. Stop oh, I'm, a lot I'm of the happy crazy too, stuff. man. Uh, but the 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 greatest thing about a red wave to me. Is I mean, it just shows that we still have hope. Like people aren't so resistant to liberty that we can't reach them. And because like right now, 
like it, I I hope fifty five percent of Americans vote like re- Republican in their congressional districts, and we have this big red wave because it's hard to vote Republican, man. I mean, like when the entire culture, the entire right. government, the deep state, every major corporation, everything you're you're just indoctrinated with leftism from the time you wake up, from the time you to the time you go to bed every single day. You're yep. mocked by your friends and family online. You're called a domestic terrorist. Like it's, it takes some intestinal fortitude to vote Republican, and yes. that just shows me that, uh, you know, let's just say we do have this blowout red wave. Like that's great. You know, I'm glad. Also, the the best part is that it shows that there's still hope for the electorate. <laughs> you know what I mean? That like, yeah. we, we, there is hope moving forward. People aren't brainwashed. They can see through the propaganda, and that that's the most important part to me. No, you're right, and and obviously I. I I hope that more than anything, I just hope that the Republican candidates that do get in there are more the America first variety as opposed to the old guard. And and it seems like that is the new that's the new wave. That's the new class. And, um, you know, it's it's tough for me to ever put any sort of faith in any politician. But I pray that these people that are campaigning, you know, the Blake Masters of the world and things like that, that are campaigning with some sort of libertarian bent, um, actually govern in such a fashion and you know time will tell on that but you know i'll take a guy who's lying to me about being more libertarian than someone who's telling me that they're a communist (laughs) (laughs) so yeah uh you know and i and then i'll just cross my fingers and pray that they're not lying to me you know we'll see um but yeah it's at this point i'll take it's a band-aid i don't think it's a solution but it does give me some hope that, you know, we might be able to avoid world war. And, and I, I really think that, that like, you know, as, as dark or as dark as the things are that I discuss regularly, um, I really ultimately believe that like we're on the cusp of a really incredible future if we don't kill each other, you know, like if, if we don't just destroy every, the, the entire planet. Um, so I'm, I'm very hopeful that we can do that. It's just like we're we're going through this like the fourth turning or whatever people call it and but we also simultaneously have like the technology to kill ourselves but we also have the technology to like extend our lives to like 150 years old or something right. crazy like that. You know like it's just this weird inflection point where like we're either all going to die or we're going to live for like another 100 years. <laughs> so right. it's weird. We could cure cancer in the next 10 years or Europe Nuke could be everyone. gone. Yeah, Europe, <laughs> yes. the continent could be could end this year. I mean, like it's, yeah. yeah. I mean, either like one of them week. are totally viable. Yeah, today, yeah. who knows when yeah. we're recording this podcast? France is gone. It's, you know, like it's it, just about everything's on the table. It is it is crazy. encouraging with some of these America First guys. Like I'm sure Blake Masters, if he if he wins, and and J D Vance in Ohio, and a lot of these guys are gonna just make us cringe. Yeah, a lot. I like I I know they're gonna do some big spending stuff, big government stuff that's going to piss us off. But, like, a lot of these candidates are quite good on a couple of the very important issues. Like, what is more yeah. important than nuclear war? I'd, I'd say nothing. Okay. And, yeah, like, you know, obviously there's the crazy cultural stuff, like mutilating children, you know, for for the, the, right. the trans agenda and all this. It's like a lot of these guys, they are going to be warriors for us on a couple of these these big issues these common sense issues and it's like dude I, beggars can't be choosers man like i'll take it like i'll yeah. take they're better than romney they're better oh, than like we're, yeah, they're so much better than all these guys so it's like you know I, and i know they're gonna piss me off i know a lot of these like new right kind of candidates are like 
I mean, there's nothing libertarian about them when it comes to economics, really. But they at least they understand enough economics to know not to like I don't know print five trillion on top of another well, five this, trillion dollar annual budget. You know, they the, at least yeah. grasp a, a few of these concepts. Well, th- this is why I'm going to be so harsh on Blake Masters because oh yeah, he has espoused you know Mises and Rothbard. So Hoppe, if he gets in, yeah, yeah if he gets if he if he gets in there and he acts like you know some socialist right winger, I'm going to be furious. <laughs> you know if he yeah. spell if he spends like in you know drunken sailor, it's going to be unforgivable. So we'll see. You know I, I as I said, I'm I'm holding out hope. As as many politicians have broken my heart in my life, I, I'm still going to hold out hope for some of these outsiders. But what I, what I would like to see, and I know this is unpopular, especially given that I am you know a member of the Libertarian Party, but I, God, I wish Jeremy Kaufman had been running in Pennsylvania last night, you know, like, like, can you imagine like, <laughs> like, oh, we couldn't, we couldn't get someone up on that stage to like show the war. Like that was the, that was the biggest opportunity for the libertarian party in my lifetime, probably last yeah. night having Dr. Oz who fucking sucks yeah, he's and, not great. and a guy who's actually brain damaged. And it's like, yo, why aren't we on that stage, you know, presenting to the world and, and millions of people watch that debate just for the hilarity of it. And, and it would, it would have been just an unbelievable opportunity, like, like a, an honest to God chance that we could have got someone running with the L in front of their name that got elected. Like that could have happened. And from what I understand, they ran some, like, I don't even want to talk about it. Like it's, I, <laughs> so yeah. I mean, it, it's just we we have to do better too. Like I, I guess I'm I'm just trying to hold everybody to account. Yeah, yeah. It was just a it was a surreal. I, I didn't watch it live. I couldn't bring myself to do. It. I knew I had to before the show, you know. But sure. uh, I, I had to wait till this morning. Um, but man, it, it just a sad commentary on the state of the world. Like it is, and it, you're absolutely <laughs> right. Like it, it, I can't imagine a world where, um, I mean, like what would if you had an intelligent libertarian candidate on that stage because Oz like Oz is like he wasn't awful but it's just kind of like prepackaged like he's never ran for office before and you can tell he's just not used to debates like he's probably never been in a debate debate in his life he didn't really know how to like engage the audience he didn't know how to I mean it was just like like lame boring prepackaged like kind of middle middle of the road milquetoast talking points and then like a dead man Right. So, yeah, I mean, like, obviously, I don't know what the what polls would have showed if an intelligent, well-spoken libertarian who understood the issues were on stage next to those two gentlemen. You know, I I have to just just imagine. Imagine for a second Dave Smith is running for Senate in Pennsylvania last night and he's on that debate stage. It would have been jaw dropping. I mean, not not for us. We would have been like, yeah, this is what we expected. But for the rest of the world, it would have been unbelievably revelatory, like to have that dichotomy in front yeah. of you that, that that binary choice and then you have this like angel from heaven that drops down and just like starts spitting fire it would have been so awesome uh, i mean me I, I i think it'd be great <laughs> if dave ran for an office that he could actually win actually yeah. ran for ran for congress or you know statewide would be tough if he was running for senate but he could win a congressional district and even being yeah. one of 435 congressmen, it gives you privileges. Like you are, I mean, you you can speak on the congressional record. You know what I mean? Like you you, you are afforded privileges in government if you're an elected congressman. 
he would be able to make a lot of waves, you know, not that there isn't value in like running for president. Obviously, if he can be in a debate, that'd be great. It just exposed the American public to libertarianism, Austrian economics. That uh, There's immense value in that. I'm not saying there isn't. Um, but like you mentioned, <laughs> you know, the two major parties are going to keep putting up bad candidates like this. I mean, Vetterman might be the worst candidate ever in the history of the country. I, I can't imagine <laughs> there were, was it worse. I, I think there's like a story about like how like a congressman died, but he was still on the ballot and he won right. or whatever. So they had to immediately do another election. Oh, he, he but was like, way better than Fetterman. He was way better than Fetterman, man. Uh, but like, way better. Way better, man. So it's like, I, I can't imagine something that bad again. But I mean, it's not like, I mean, look at these, the, the candidates are bad. Like I've never seen a slate of candidates this bad across the country. I mean, look at like Herschel Walker and Raphael Warnock. Yeah, Just like sleazy fake pastor guy who's a communist and ran over his wife with his car and like and all this stuff and then like herschel walker who professionally got concussions for 25 years (laughs) i mean like the man like he played he was a running back in the nfl and then decided to become a mixed martial arts fighter for 15 years after he retired from football it's like that man's been knocked out so many times and and then also paid for abortions and all this stuff it's like well and and by the way he also has split personality disorder yes yes Like attempted murderer versus yeah. split personality disorder guy. It's like, yeah. dude, there's like 11 million citizens of Georgia. <laughs> 11 million, dude. It's like so crazy that these are the best people that we can get. Like it's well, especially yeah. with Shane Hazel sitting there in Georgia. You're right. like, dude, why are you not up against these guys? Like, I think that's that's what I would like to see is kind of a more tactical allocation of our resources like you you'd have to obviously be really tied into the political scene to understand who who your opponents are going to be before it actually comes to pass but if if you could know this early enough in advance and then just use the LP as a crowd for uh, crowdfunding mechanism to like just back Dave Smith for Congress in New Jersey and yeah. then or you know wherever he decides to run and then Shane Hazel for uh, well, is that a is that a congressional seat in Georgia with uh, or is that a Senate seat? It's Senate seat, yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, then Shane Hazel for Senate against these lunatics, like, and then I don't know, put up fucking Spike Cohen against Fetterman and <laughs> and Oz, you know, like yeah. these are these are just incredible opportunities, and it just kills me that we're not, um, you know, getting those moments. Like, even if they don't win, even though I think that they very probably could, yeah, uh, just just to have that debate memory for people to like process would be so powerful it would be like a, we could have like 10 you know mini ron paul moments yeah like through through these kind of races so yeah i don't know i'll, I'll talk to i'll talk to michael heiss about it <laughs> i'm <laughs> yeah. sure he's thinking the same thing this morning dude so and and if one of these guys you know spike or dave or any any of these guys actually wins and becomes a congressman or a senator i mean dude you can what like one guy like we've seen it before one guy in office can do a lot of good things, man. I mean, like, yep. I, I, you know, it's it's very unlikely that, like, an alliance of libertarians and liberty Republicans are going to be a majority of Congress. Like, we're just, like, guys like, no. uh, like it, would, it would take hundreds of years for people like you and I to get 51 senators. It's just not oh, going to yeah. happen. But it's like, you remember when Iran shot down, uh, like, a drone or something, an American drone, and it was when Trump was president and the entire military industrial complex and media and both parties 
wanted to bomb Iran, right? <laughs> they were like, this is our moment. We've wanted yeah. to kill Iranians forever. We can finally start a war with Iran. And Rand Paul played golf with Donald Trump and talked him out of it. Yep. I did. It. You're not just one you're not even just one guy, and he never would have been able to if he wasn't a senator. And uh, he also probably wouldn't have been. Uh, people wouldn't keep trying to assassinate him if he wasn't a senator too. So there's pros and cons for yeah. for Rand. Well, but con- like cons for him for sure, but nothing but pros for me. For I the mean, country, the fact that right. he he may have avoided World War Three, you know, two years ago. Um, yeah. So yeah, I I agree with you, man. I I think that big like this is the one huge advantage of the the binary you know, uh, tribalistic aspects of the current political establishment is like, as you were saying earlier, like a lot of the Democrats probably came off their anti-war stance just because it makes them sound like Republicans, you know, <laughs> but, but what's, what's good about that is that when the divide is so stark, when you have these camps that are like hard line, yeah. this is, we're opposed to these people. Well, then all that matters is the margin, you know, and, and if you have 49 shitty leftists in Senate and 49 shitty Republicans in the Senate and you have two other, you know, liberty minded people in the Senate. Well, that's, that's enough. You can basically, you wield the entire Senate at that point. Um, so yeah, I would other, like would other Republicans have been as anti Fauci as anti lockdowns and all that. If Rand Paul wasn't just constantly beating Fauci to death every single day, probably not. I think he, no. he steered that ship in the right direction. And if he wasn't there, maybe yeah, there, there's some other good one, like Mike Lee. There's a few good ones. But like Mike Lee didn't do much against Fauci that I he saw. He didn't do much. Yeah. Yeah. And but and, I mean, because and, of and he Rand might Paul, get thrown out anyways. <laughs> there's no way. Evan McMullen. There's no way. Well, that guy's a yeah. dork, man. He's like a CIA guy. Oh, there's he's no the way. worst. He's the, he's the worst. But I mean, that's why they're running a CIA guy against him. They want to. <laughs> I mean, they're like, hey. You don't go along with the CIA talking points. Like we're gonna send our best asset after you. <laughs> I hate, I hate McMullen. I hate him. Yeah, yeah, man, he's awful. Clint, my brother. A lot of uh, very cheery, optimistic topics today. Hey, that's what we <laughs> As do. Always. That's what we do, man. But I, I mean, enjoy at, it. <laughs> at the end of the day, I think we are both optimistic, though, man. Like I've never like given in to doom and gloom yet. So if, no. if I haven't yet, I mean, we're facing down nuclear war and like. You know, yeah. blatant fascism at home. So it's like if I haven't given up hope yet, I doubt I ever will at this point. Yeah. I mean, the, I think the only time I'd give up hope is if we actually put the 101st in Ukraine in direct hot conflict with Russia. And then I'll be like, all right, yeah, I got to probably move to like Latin America. Um, yeah. But, in, yeah. you know, let's hope that it doesn't happen. And then, uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm very I'm, I mean, I love life. <laughs> <laughs> like this is the reason I I I fight to hang on to it. Obviously, I I very much enjoy being alive, and and I think that there's there's a great reason to be super optimistic if we can get through the next ten year period of like <laughs> craziness. But it's yeah. going to be crazy. So yeah. I don't know. It, it, we live in an interesting times. It, you could have a worse fate. It could be boring. <laughs> hey, that's true. Yeah. Even though I, I take boring right now, <laughs> to be yeah. honest. I mean, if everything was boring, you and I. Wouldn't be able to do what we do, I suppose. No, Nobody I want to listen to us I, talk about extremely boring topics. So I guess. But I a... would be happy to not do this. So <laughs> give me a boring life, folks, please. Clint, my brother, where can everybody follow you online? Where can everybody subscribe to your show, which is fantastic? I highly recommend it. Oh, thank you. Uh, Liberty Lockdown. You can search it on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever your podcasts are sold or for free. And uh, at uh, what's it called? 
libertylockdown.locals.com if you want to support my work and on Twitter at Liberty Lockpod. That's it. Thank you, man. Everybody subscribe to the show. Everybody follow Clinton. He's great. That's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I will be back on Monday. No gimmicks.